Hey guys, welcome to the House Seeds Podcast. It's been a hot minute since I've recorded anything. This is your host, Sasha, obviously, because I'm the only one who's been on here so far. It's still just me babbling about theater, but I have some friends that I'm talking to about potentially seeing shows with me and having little discussions. Started school, as I mentioned previously, I am going to Hunter for a master's in theater history and dramaturgy, which makes me prime and eager to discuss theater in a uh, an intelligent and uh, maybe deeper kind of way in some aspects, but that doesn't mean that I'm not still just a fun-loving theater fan who likes to go see shows because they're great. Anyway, um, like I said, it's been a hot minute since I recorded something, but it's mostly because I I don't want to just record a weekly podcast because it needs to be weekly or whatever. I want there to be a purpose to it. I'm not interviewing celebrities. I'm not um, exploring one specific topic about theater. I really want to make episodes when something comes up that I feel is worth discussing, that should be in the, um, you know, community, not lexicon, lexicon is the wrong word, but we should be talking about these things for a variety of reasons. And the thing that I want to talk about today, I wasn't sure if I was going to record it now or if I was going to wait till this weekend. And the reason for that is it's about Spring Awakening, the revival, and I'm seeing the revival on Saturday. So Everything that I say today is pre-seeing this production. Granted, I have ears, so I have heard things about this production. I'm not completely living under a rock. And if you haven't heard anything about the revival of Spring Awakening and you're in the theater community, I kind of wonder where you've been. Um, But the fact of the matter is the things that I have to say, I kind of want to talk about them before I see the show so that they're... that seeing the show, which I have an anticipation of enjoying because I liked the original production and I've heard only good things about this production. I don't want my feelings on the production to cloud the points that I want to make in this episode. And I'd love to hear if you guys have similar thoughts or if you have any concerns about what I'm going to bring up or if you completely disagree with me and you think that I'm a crazy pants. That's totally fine too. And I'm welcome. I welcome your, uh, your debate about it, because I love debate in a healthy, fun, positive, constructive way. I don't think that there's any point in fighting with people about certain things, especially the theater, but I think that if we don't discuss theater in a substantive way, that we are going to lose out on a lot of things. So, la la la, preamble of doom for three minutes. Now that I've gotten that out of the way, what I want to say is Spring Awakening. Okay. So we have a revival of Spring Awakening happening on Broadway right now, and it it confused me when I first heard that there was going to be a Spring Awakening revival for a couple of reasons. The first is that Spring Awakening was just on Broadway. I mean, really, it was just here. I know that because I saw it a ton of times, and I loved it. And after it closed, I loved it even more, which you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder or whatever like that. But I always tell people when we're talking about Spring Awakening that when I saw it, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it wasn't like, oh my God, this is the best show I've ever seen in my life or anything like that. It was just something that I really enjoyed. However, 
after the show closed and I found myself listening to the music on my iPod more and more and more, I realized how much I had missed out by not seeing it even more than I did. And I think I saw it something like 20 times, which granted, when you're talking about Spring Awakening fans, 20 is not a lot because I know people who saw Spring Awakening hundreds of times. But you know, for a regular person who just likes a show, 20 is a good amount. But afterwards I was like, ugh, I wish I'd gone more. Oh no, it's not here anymore. And I was sad. So putting my feelings and love for the show aside, I kind of just went, huh? Why, why are we reviving it now? What are we going like the Les Mis track? Like, are we going to revive it every five years now or something like that? So that was my initial concern. Why? My second thought, which relates to that, is how you know it might be too soon is that this is a show about very young characters. The characters are primarily teenagers, often young teenagers. There are a couple of adults, but not a lot. Um, two in the original production. I feel like that may be different in this production just based on the cast that I saw, but I don't know that to be true um, because, again, I haven't seen it yet. But two of the cast members in this production are... Andy Mientes and uh, Krista Rodriguez, who we all know were in the Broadway and original tour version of Spring Awakening in the first incarnation. So my thought about this is as follows. In many shows like Les Mis or whatever like that, when they revive a show, it's totally possible for someone who was in the production previously to come back and play a different role because now they've aged out of one role or yada yada like that. And for example, like, um, you know, a lot of people somewhat, not a lot of people strike that pretend I never said a lot of people. There have been actors who will play Raul in Phantom and then come back when they're older and play Phantom and yada yada like that. And, um, and so you, you have to wonder in a show like Spring Awakening where the characters are so young, if the same actors can still play the teenagers, that's another sign that maybe it's, it's just too soon. These were all my original thoughts. And I was, you know, apprehensive and felt trepidation about this production and had, again, only heard good things. So I'm not talking about, you know, something that I think is bad. I don't think it's bad by any means. And as a matter of fact, I think it's probably going to be fantastic. Um, I can't wait to see it on Saturday and maybe it will blow me away and I'll be um, inspired to do a second episode just about that. But this thought came to me. I, you know, I often uh, talk to my mother about theater because she is a completely different type of theater fan than I am. I'm very immersed in the theater world. I've worked in it. I've studied it. She just really loves musical comedy. She wants to sing. She wants to dance. And that's it. <laughs> so she wants to watch, um, you know, like when, when I, I sent her the commercial for Fiddler on the Roof recently and she almost lost her mind with excitement. So that's, that's my mother, which is great. And we need those fans and we want those fans, but they're different than the people like me who want to really kind of delve a little bit deeper. Um, so we often discuss these things. And as I was in the middle of discussing this with her, it, a light bulb kind of went off in my head and I thought, oh my God, uh, what? I had this idea. What, I mean, is this a sign that musicals are kind of grabbing onto an idea that plays have been doing for a while and will this become a trend? And what I'm referring to is the fact that Spring Awakening is an extremely short 
forced limited run by the fact that that theater is taken right after it closes. So it has to close in early January. We don't have a choice. Even if it sells out completely, they still have to close the show or move it. Um, but so I was wondering, is this something that's going to happen? Will producers go around the country, grab popular regional productions of uber popular shows and bring them to Broadway for a short time, knowing that they can potentially recoup if their costs are low enough in that short time for the following reasons. First of all, a shorter run is more likely to sell out because everyone feels the pressure of needing to go. It's like the fake closing notice thing. It's not as common anymore, but there used to be this thing where they would post a closing notice and be like, oh yeah, we're closing, we're closing, and then everyone would rush to buy tickets and then they didn't close. Um, so they, things like that. Um, and so I was wondering, will, okay, blah, 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 I don't know what I'm talking about. Will, will they start to, to do this for that's reason number one, that they can grab everybody quickly because everyone's worried that they'll miss it. I fall into that. I never like pre-purchase tickets to shows. That's, I mean, I think one of the luxuries of living in New York City is that you maybe don't have to pre-purchase tickets to shows because they're right there and you can kind of just decide uh, last minute in some regard, you know, what show you want to see and yada yada. So I very rarely pre-purchase tickets to shows and I pre-purchased tickets to Spring Awakening because I was getting scared that I was not going to find time to see it. Um, so I had to, to plot out that time and I feel strongly about that. Um, in a number of ways. But so that's, that's piece number one. Piece number two is that Spring Awakening had a rabid fan base and I do not feel any kind of, um, over-exaggeration by using the word rabid. No, they are rabid. Spring Awakening fans are and were some of the most rabid fans of anything ever, especially of the theater. It was, in my estimation, the first show after Rent to really get that kind of that kind of reaction, that kind of crazy, I need to be there in a, a visceral way kind of feeling. And it was very commonplace at the time of Spring Awakening in its heyday to walk by the theater at midnight or 1am or any similar time to that and see a group of people waiting outside for rush tickets for the next day. That's not that wasn't unusual in any way. I did it. All of my friends did it. I know hundreds of people who did it and, and it was common. So knowing, first of all, that you're doing a limited run and that you can grab a lot of people in a short time because they'll be scared that they're going to miss it. And two, that there's a rabid fan base involved. I think possibly the producers, uh, may have thought, huh, there might be slightly less risk involved. I'm not saying no risk because there's no such thing as no risk with a Broadway show, but there might be slightly less risk involved doing this show with these elements in place. So my question is, do you think it's going to become a trend to go find those really, um, rabid fan base shows and bring them back for a short time to, to ensure that you'll recoup on something that year. You know, 
there aren't a lot of shows that I think it could work with, but I think that there, there are enough shows that it could work with that, that it, it, it may be a viable thing that could start. Plays with celebrities have been using this model for a really long time. They say, you know, we know celebrities can't take the whole year out of their life, so let's do, you know, 15 weeks with so-and-so in this play, and you're so excited, so everyone's going to come. That's a model that's very common. You know, when I worked on Of Mice and Men, we recouped really fast because we had James Franco and Chris O'Dowd and it was a known quantity with Of Mice and Men and everyone wanted to come see it and we were always selling tickets and it was wonderful and we recouped and it was a good, happy, feel-good kind of situation to work on because you felt like you were doing something that was working, you know? So is that what's happening with this? It's not a celebrity. Um, oh, they, they do, I mean, they have uh, known actors and actresses in it, but not celebrities by the traditional, you know, terminology. And, and so can this work? Would it work with other shows? It would most certainly work with Rent if they went and got, you know, a, a production of Rent that people were gaga for from somewhere around the country or even around the world and put it on Broadway for 18 weeks. It would sell out. I almost guarantee it. And, and I, I feel like a crazy person saying that I guarantee anything in the theater, but come on, you know, um, would it work with Legally Blonde? Maybe not for 18 weeks, but what about 10 weeks or eight weeks? Then you also have the question of production cost and, you know, Legally Blonde needs a larger ensemble and you have to have sets and more costumes. So maybe that wouldn't work because the cost of, of producing it would be too high to recoup. So then you have to think of shows that don't have any sets. Um, you know, I would want it to work with title of show, but I don't know if it would because are there that many, although, you know, it's nine people's favorite things. Ha ha. Yeah, I went there. But is it... 19,000 people's favorite things enough to recoup. I don't think so. Not that I don't think it's perfect because I love, I love, love, love title of show, but I'm trying to be realistic in, in the way that I'm thinking about this. So my question to you is, first of all, do you think this is something that will start to be a trend now? And my second question is, what shows do you think it would work for? Do you think it would work on older shows that are being revived if they could somehow par them down where something like Sound of Music wouldn't need to have an insane set and crazy lighting and all these production costs if they could just do it in an almost black box, not literally, but close to black box kind of way, the way that Spring Awakening is done, would that then, you know, bolster it enough to, to succeed in a short time? Sound of Music, I don't know if that needs to have a short time. I think Sound of Music could probably have a long run and be fine. But that, I'm just trying to, you know, think of examples. The examples that I brought up when I was talking to a friend of mine were things like Legally Blonde and Rent and shows that had a younger fan base because younger people are the ones who tend to be a little bit more rabid. But they also had regular older theater goers going to those shows enough that they would buy tickets if it was a short run. Now, the friend that I spoke to about this yesterday is an actor, and he was not liking this. This did not sound like a good idea to him. And I'm not saying it's an idea that I want to happen. I'm just asking if it is something that A, we think is plausible, and B, we think could become a new trend. 
And he was like, grumble, grumble, grumble. You know, then you only work for such a short amount of time. And then you got to go find a new job and all these things. I agree with him. I don't think he's wrong on those points. But is it necessarily a bad thing? It, it would be almost like doing summer stock or it would be like doing, you know, a regional show, which are usually short runs like that. It would just be on Broadway. And, you know, we... The length of a Broadway run is always a point of pride for people who are in the shows. You know, uh, people who have been in Phantom or who are in Phantom, I'm in the longest running Broadway show, you know, in history and yada yada. And it's like, you know, it it's something that they put all over all their ads and rightly so. And I, I completely, um, I stand behind them on those things. But, you know, the, the question just is, what shows do you think this could work for? And do you think it works at all other than this kind of groundbreaking, extremely different version of something like the Deaf West production of Spring Awakening? That's my question. And like I said, I'm bringing this to you completely. Um, I don't want to use the word blind. That's the first word that came to mind. But knowing that this production has to do with disabilities, that seems like a really rude thing to say, but I can't think of another word. I'm blindly having this discussion because I have not seen this production of Spring Awakening. But again, it has nothing to do with the production, the value, the actors, whether I think it's going to be good or not. This is completely just a discussion about whether or not you think this piece of, uh, or this style of producing a show could become a thing for musicals, the way that it is for plays, what shows does it work for, and now I think I'm done babbling for the day. If you want to email me, it's housescenespodcast at gmail.com. Please email me. I would love to hear what you have to say about this, or if you are one of my friends who's listening to this because I think potentially it's, you know, mostly my friends and a couple other people just based on the um, amount of people that I can see are listening to it, just text me and tell me what you think. And, and maybe we'll, uh, you know, we'll talk about it and have a grand old time. That's it for now. This is House Seats podcast about whatever we feel like talking about, about theater, because someone should talk about it, right? I mean, there's people talking about the performers and yada, yada and reviews and well, maybe I'll do a review here and there, but I think I've done enough of that in my life. But you know, let's, let's really have a deeper discussion about theater. And as I continue to read things in class, I'm probably going to come, I I have a couple of things on the books that I want to talk about as far as theater history are concerned, but I really want to do a little bit more research before we start talking about them. So if you have topics that you think should be discussed, tell me those and we'll talk about those too. And that's it for today. Have fun.